Music Law Podcast with entertainment attorney Mark Quayle. The information in this podcast is not to be construed as legal advice. For any questions of a legal nature, it is strongly recommended that you seek legal counsel in your local jurisdiction. Mark Quayle can be found on the internet at markquayle.com. That's Mark with a K, Q-U-A-I-L dot com. Hi, I'm Mark Quayle. In this podcast, we're going to review the duties of music publishers and the various types of contracts you find in the music publishing business. There are several participants in the creation of music, songwriters, recording and performing artists, studio producers, and engineers among them. The job of the music publisher is to protect the interests of the songs and the songwriter and ensure that the proper share of the monies generated by the use of that music reaches the songwriter. Protecting the interests of the songwriter is covered a little later. Protecting the interests of the song, on the other hand, can be distilled into one phrase, ensuring the longest, most profitable life for the musical work. Unless the song is in the public's ears, it will be forgotten. However, context is an important component in ensuring a long life for the musical work. For example, If a song that has already had some success is placed in a commercial in a context that becomes irritating to the public, the listener will begin to associate that unpleasantness with the song, even when it is heard apart from the offending commercial. The result will be that the song will fall out of favor in all the other places where it could have been used, whether straightforward radio play or another use in advertising, and in so doing the song's life is shortened and made less profitable. To illustrate further, approving the use of a song written by a writer who champions the causes of the blue-collar working man in an advertisement for a pro-business political party would not be a shrewd move on the part of the music publisher or the songwriter who might have a say in such usage. The songwriter's fans will be alienated, possibly leading to a smaller market for the songwriter's future works. The music publisher must always weigh the proposed use with the benefit to be gained, but must also keep in mind the context that could unduly prejudice the song's long-term interests. But generally, beyond the obvious contentious uses such as political or religious contexts, hygiene product advertisements, beer and alcohol advertisements, and X-rated films, the music publisher should always aim to approve the usage. Let me make a note here, too. Songwriter approval may or may not play a role in such deliberations. Because license requests tend to require a very fast response, the majority of music publishing agreements specify that the music publisher will have final approval over license requests that do not fall into one of the contentious areas I just mentioned. As such, most agreements for new writers will allow the publisher more leeway to quickly approve or deny such requests whereas music publishing agreements for more established songwriters will probably contain an obligation on the part of the publisher to consult with and or acquire the songwriter's approval for each use. In these cases, the process of responding to the license request takes more time, and this may mean that some opportunities will be lost. So, let's look at those duties of a music publisher. If you examine the departments of the larger, internationally focused music publishers, you get a sense of the three general duties of a music publisher towards the songwriters it has under contract and the songs in its catalog. First off is the creative promotional department. 
The duties here that a publisher will perform include assisting in the development of the songwriter's talent by arranging for writing sessions with other credible songwriters. They also provide funds for the creation of demonstration recordings of the songs delivered by the songwriter. They're also an excellent source of information for career development. This department will also actively seek opportunities to place songs with recording artists in order to have those songs released into the marketplace, both as a first recording and for any possible cover versions made by other recording artists. This involves constant communication with artist managers, record label A&R personnel, and record producers. And also this department will maintain contact with music supervisors working in the film and television industry and the music production houses that supply advertising agencies in order to secure synchronization licenses for their musical works. The next department we can look at that will give you an idea of the duties of a music publisher is the Business and Legal Affairs Department. The people working in this department seek and handle the drafting and negotiation of all musical work licenses, including mechanical licenses for those licenses not handled by the Harry Fox Agency in the U.S. or the Canadian Musical Reproduction Rights Agency, the CMRRA, in Canada, and other licenses such as those for synchronization, advertising, print, grand performance, and any new media formats. The people in this department also maintain relationships with publishers and industry professionals in other countries in order to gain more exposure for their own songs. And finally, the third main duty of a music publisher is that of administration, and the people in the administration department are those responsible for registering the copyrights as required with the appropriate copyright office in Canada and the United States and the various collective societies, ASCAP, BMI, CSAC, and SOCAN in North America. These people also monitor the sales progress of sound recordings embodying their songs and the radio and other broadcast performances of their songs in the various trade publications using available point-of-sale statistics and airplay tabulations so that the publisher will have a point of reference with which to view the royalty statements and accountings received in connection with those songs. The people in this department also review and, where appropriate, challenge the royalty statements and accountings received in connection with their musical works in order to ensure accuracy in payments. As well, these people also issue the regular royalty statements along with the accompanying payments to the songwriters under contract. You might ask, why should a songwriter assign a portion of the copyright to a music publisher anyway? While writing a song may be the most important portion of the process of making money from music, the creative process is in vain if no one knows the song is available. A songwriter's talents are not put to best use by handling the administrative chores of making songs known. As such, a songwriter who wants to profit from making music should seek the services of a music publisher to handle those administrative chores. If it wasn't evident, from the list of music publisher duties that I just went through, let me point out again that the development of songwriters and the placement of songs is a time-consuming, labor-intensive business that also requires a degree of luck to make a song a success. Most publishers will not want to spend the time required to give a song the best possible chance of becoming a hit unless that publisher can have a lasting participation in the song's future. 
As such, the business model adopted by music publishers is to acquire ownership in a song and then work to increase its value. This basic premise can be expanded by the other benefits that a music publisher can bring to the table, most notably payments of money in advance of any royalties actually being earned. This funding can often be the difference between harnessing a songwriter's talent and missing the opportunity completely because a cash advance can permit a songwriter to create full-time by removing concerns about earning money for living expenses. A publisher might also be able to offer funds for travel expenses and so permit the songwriter to visit other cities, notably Nashville, Los Angeles, and New York, to write with other high-caliber songwriters, all in the hope of writing a potentially lucrative musical work. These advantages go a long way to making a publishing deal attractive to a songwriter whose career is just beginning. Music publishing contracts need not always take an assignment of the songs for the full life of copyright. A songwriter who has some bargaining power in the negotiations with an interested music publisher can seek to shorten the length of time that the music publisher will retain the ownership of, of the copyright in the song. Typically, copyrights could revert back to the songwriter 8 to 15 years after the term of the music publishing agreement has terminated. Such terms can be beneficial to a songwriter because it would allow them to entertain the possibility of another publishing contract in the future using the earlier copyrights as an incentive. So let's look at the main types of music publishing contracts. First off, why do you even need a written contract? Could you not just transfer the copyrights verbally? Well, under both United States and Canadian copyright laws, unless the transfer of a copyright is made in writing, it will not be a valid transfer. So you're going to need a written document. Here are the four main types of contracts currently used in the music publishing business. The first that we'll look at is the full publishing contract. The traditional publishing agreement between a songwriter and a music publisher provides generally for a 50-50 split of the ownership of the copyright in the songs that are subject to the contract and a 50-50 split of the profits derived therefrom. This approach gives rise to the music publishing industry practice of thinking in terms of a songwriter's share and a publisher's share when discussing music publishing ownership and income. While these phrases are not legal terms defined by the Copyright Acts, they are found throughout music publishing contracts. Key in this type of contract is an assignment for one half of the copyright to the music publisher in return for financial and administrative support. In these types of contracts, the music publisher assumes the role of exclusive administrator of the entire copyright and in so doing becomes the party chiefly responsible for the promotion and the protection of the song. If the songwriter was approached with respect to any license of a song covered under such a contract, the songwriter is required to refer the inquiry to the music publisher. The right to administrate is a powerful role. The administering publisher will be the key contact point for all dealings with the song and most importantly the control valve through which all money will flow to the songwriter with the exception of the songwriter's share of public performance income which will go to the writer directly from his or her performance rights society which in North America will be one of ASCAP, BMI, CSAC or SOCAN. For the publisher's 50% interest in the song, the music publisher will perform the duties we covered earlier. 
The duration of full publishing contracts generally operates in one of two ways. The first is for the delivery of a certain amount of songs per year. Such deals generally have terms of one year with five or six options to continue the term for a further year. The second way contemplates the songwriter also serving as the main recording artist performing his or her songs. In this situation, the songwriter would be required to deliver an album of songs, the majority of which were written by that songwriter, and which album is to be released commercially by a reputable label. If this type of arrangement is used, it is common to see a publishing contract last over four or five albums. The next type of contract we'll look at is the co-publishing contract. Instead of taking an assignment of the entire so-called publisher's share, as in the full publishing contract, a co-publishing contract generally takes an assignment of 50% of the publisher's share. The songwriter's personal publishing company appears on any copyright registration as a co-publisher. However, this personal publishing company usually has no active role in the administration of the copyrights and therefore will not directly collect the income derived from the songs. The third-party music publisher exclusively handles all administration duties under such contracts. Such contracts provide the songwriter with the obvious advantage of greater income participation than that garnered under a full publishing contract. Beyond that difference, the terms of a co-publishing contract are very similar to those in a full publishing contract. Co-publishing contracts are the most prevalent form of music publishing contract used in Canada and the United States. The next type of deal that we'll consider are administration contracts. These types of agreements provide for the handling of all duties associated with copyright administration but without any assignment of the copyright to the administering publisher. The fees paid to the administering publisher for basic administration range from 5% to 25% of the net receipts with the majority of the deal set at 20%. The same deal may provide for a larger fee should a synchronization license be obtained because of the extra work that is required to procure such licenses. A fee of 40% of net receipts in those cases is common. Because of the lower administration fees when compared to full publishing or co-publishing deals and the lack of any copyright assignment, these deals are attractive to writers. However, as a rule, these types of contracts are generally only available if the musical work has already generated income that has not been collected by the songwriter or any other publisher. Such a scenario means the songwriter has either worked extremely hard to place the song so that it can earn money, or the songwriter has had some luck in being at the right place at the right time. Often it's a mixture of both. In other words, the songwriter's own efforts have replicated what a music publisher would do to position the musical works so that they can earn money, and that songwriter can now reap the benefits by collecting the income and not giving up control of the musical work. Generally, songwriters enter into an administration deal with a music publisher in their home country and have that publisher administer the songs for the world. The publisher-slash-administrator in the home country would in turn arrange for the collection of the song's earnings outside the home country by its foreign affiliates, which in the business are called sub-publishers. Sub-publishers are used because each country has its own system of processing music publishing royalties, 
and it generally requires a knowledgeable person to make sure the registrations are done correctly and that the monies flow properly. These sub-publishers are also paid a fee based on net receipts, again in the 15-20% to 20% range. After the sub-publisher fee is taken, they will forward the money they collect to the songwriter's main administering publisher, and after the main administering publisher takes their fee, the money is sent to the songwriter. A songwriter could enter directly into as many separate publishing agreements as there are countries in which their songs are earning money. It is only a question of time, contacts, and legal fees to close the deals. In each instance, the songwriter will save the extra administration fee. However, in so doing, that songwriter will now have to spend the time to follow up with each sub-publisher, and that will impact the time they have for creative efforts. Most songwriters who are eligible for administration deals prefer to deal with one professional publisher and contract with them for worldwide administration to save time. The length of an administration agreement is generally in the range of three to five years, with the majority of the deals having a term of three years. And finally, the last type of contract we'll look at is the sub-publishing contract. And this explanation will be very short because a sub-publishing contract is simply an administration contract that is focused on the earnings of songs in one or more countries outside the songwriter's or music publisher's home territory. So that concludes our review of the duties of music publishers and the types of contracts often seen in the business. I hope this has been helpful. You've been listening to Mark Quayle on the Music Law Podcast. Again, you can find me on the web at markquayle.com. That's Mark with a K, Q-U-A-I-L.com. Keep working on those melodies, and until the next podcast, stay well.